Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that uh, same webpage, there is an option to subscribe under the tab called Lesson Sign Up to receive both the daily text reading and the lesson from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday to Friday from about 9.15 to about uh, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading of Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, with Section 2, The Reinterpretation of Defenses. We'll be reading the first half of that section, uh, paragraphs 18 through 35 today. We're also mindful of our lesson, Lesson 16. I have no neutral thoughts. I have no neutral thoughts. And by way of opening this morning, I'd love to share this poem from Parker Palmer that's illustrative of how what we see is affected by thought. The poem is called The Winter Woods. The winter woods beside a solemn river are twice seen, once as they perceive the brittle air, once as they dance in grace beneath the stream. In air, these trees stand rough and raw, branches angular and stark design. In water, shimmer constantly, disconnect as in a dream, shadowy but more alive than what stands stiff and cold before our eyes. Our eyes at peace are solemn streams, and twice the world itself is seen, once as it is outside our heads, hard, frozen now and winter dead, once as it undulates and shines beneath, beneath the silent waters of our mind. When rivers churn or cloud with ice, the world is not seen twice, yet still is there beneath the blinded surface of the stream livelier and lovelier than we can comprehend and waiting, always waiting to be seen. I have no neutral thoughts. Amen. How lovely. Thank, Thank you. You're welcome. I was really happy to find that poem today. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Lemoyne, Robin Marie, Karen, Donna, Jessica, and Charles. We're joined in listening this morning by Diana, Ida, Judy, and Harrison. Has anyone else come along and joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. This is Mindy. I'm listening. All right. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning. Um, can I ask you a favor? Can you do an adjustment with your headset? You're coming through and, and making this mean you have a list this morning, very big one, which I know you don't. So, okay. okay. I'll do my best, Thank Mindy. Thank you. 
Sounds good now. Thank you. Okay. So let's begin then. In Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. Section 2, The Reinterpretation of Defenses. Paragraph 18, when you are afraid of anything, you are acknowledging its power to hurt you. Remember that where your heart is, there is your treasure also. This means that you believe in what you value. If you are afraid, you are valuing wrongly. Human understanding will inevitably value wrongly, and by endowing all human thoughts with equal power, will inevitably destroy peace. That is why the Bible speaks of, quote, the peace of God which passeth human understanding, end quote. This peace is totally incapable of being shaken by human errors of any kind. It denies the ability of anything which is not of God to affect you in any way. Good morning. All right. Okay, Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation. Section 2, The Reinterpretation of Defenses. When you are afraid of anything, you are acknowledging its power to hurt you. Remember that where your heart is, there is your treasure also. This means that you believe in what you value. If you are afraid, you are valuing wrongly. Human understanding will inevitably value wrongly, and by endowing all human thoughts with equal power, will inevitably destroy peace. That is why the Bible speaks of, quote, the peace of God which passeth human understanding unquote this piece is totally incapable of being shaken by human errors of any kind it denies the ability of anything which is not of God to affect you in any way this is the proper use of denial it is not used to hide anything but to correct error It brings all error into the light, and since error and darkness are the same, it corrects error automatically. True denial is a powerful protective device. You can and should deny any belief that error can hurt you. This kind of denial is not a concealment device, but a correction device. The quote-unquote right mind of the mentally healthy depends on it. You can do anything I ask. I have asked you to perform miracles and have made it clear that miracles are natural, corrective, healing, and universal. There is nothing good they cannot do, but they cannot be performed in the spirit of doubt. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Robin Marie. I'm going to go back to um, 18, 
for the last two sentences. This piece is totally incapable of being shaken by human errors of any kind. It denies the ability of anything which is not of God to affect you in any way. 19. This is the proper use of denial. It is not used to hide anything, but to correct error. It brings all error into the light. And since error and darkness are the same, it corrects error automatically. True denial is a powerful protective device. You can and should deny any belief that error can hurt you. This kind of denial is not a concealment device, but a correction device. The, quote, right mind, unquote, of the mentally healthy depends on it. You can do anything, I ask. I have asked you to perform miracles and have made it clear that miracles are natural, corrective, healing, and universal. There is nothing good they cannot do, but they cannot be performed in the spirit of doubt. 20. God and the souls he created are completely dependent on each other. The creation of the soul has already been perfectly accomplished, but the creation by souls has not. God created souls so he could depend on them because he created them perfectly. He gave them his peace so they could not be shaken and would be unable to be deceived. Whenever you are afraid, you are deceived. Your mind is not serving the soul. This literally starves the soul by denying its daily bread. God offers only mercy. Your words should reflect only mercy because that is what you have received and that is what you should give. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 20. 20. God and the souls he created are completely dependent on each other. The creation of the soul has already been perfectly accomplished, but the creation by souls has not. God created souls so he could depend on them because he created them perfectly. He gave them his peace so they could not be shaken and would be unable to be deceived. Whenever you are afraid, you are deceived. Your mind is not serving the soul. This literally starves the soul by denying its daily bread. God offers only mercy. Your words should reflect only mercy because that is what you have received, and that is what you should give. 21. Justice is a temporary expedient or an attempt to teach man the meaning of mercy. Its judgmental side arises only because man is incapable of injustice, if that is what his mind creates. It's Read judgmental. That sentence again, please. I was back. <laughs> it's okay. judgmental. 
arises only because man is incapable of injustice if that is what his mind creates. You are afraid of God's will because you have used your own will, which he created in the likeness of his own, to miscreate. What you do not realize is that the mind can miscreate only when it is not free. An imprisoned mind is not free by definition. It is possessed or held back by itself. Its will is therefore limited, and it is not free to assert itself. The meaning of, quote, are of one kind, unquote, which was mentioned before, is, quote, are of one mind or will, unquote. When the will of the sonship and the father are one, their perfect accord is heaven. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 21. Justice is a temporary expedient or an attempt to teach man the meaning of mercy. Its judgmental side arises only because man is capable of injustice if that is what his mind creates. You are afraid of God's will because you have used your own will, which he created, in the likeness of his own, to miscreate. What you do, do not realize is that the mind that, that is that the mind can miscreate only when it is not free. An imprisoned mind is not free by definition. It is possessed or held back by itself. Its will is therefore limited and not free to assert itself. The real meaning of, quote, are one of a kind, end quote, which was mentioned before is, quote, are of one mind or will, end quote. When the will of the sonship and the father are one, their perfect accord is heaven. 22. Denial of error is a powerful defense of truth. You will note that you have been shifting the emphasis from the negative to the positive use of denial. As we have already stated, Denial is not a purely negative device. It results in positive miscreation. This is the way the mentally ill do employ it. But remember, a very early thought of your own, quote, never underestimate the power of denial, end quote. In the service of the, quote, right mind, end quote, the denial of error frees the mind and establishes the freedom of the will. When the will is really free, it cannot miscreate 
because it recognizes only truth. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thanks, Lori. Uh, paragraph 22. Denial of error is a powerful defense of truth. You will note that we have been shifting the emphasis from the negative to the positive use of denial. As we have already stated, denial is not a purely negative device. It results in positive miscreation. That is the way the mentally ill do employ it. But remember a very early thought of your own. Quote, never underestimate the power of denial, unquote. In the service of the, quote, right mind, the denial of error frees the mind and reestablishes the freedom of the will. When the will is really free, it cannot miscreate because it recognizes only truth. 23. False projection arises out of false denial, not out of its proper use. My own role in the atonement is one of true projection. I can project to you the affirmation of truth. If you project error to me or to yourself, you are interfering with the process. <clears throat> My use of pro- oh somebody's at my door. Okay, they just left something. Sorry. My use of projection, which can also be yours, is not based on faulty denial. It does involve, however, the very powerful use of the denial of errors. The miracle worker is one who accepts my kind of denial and projection, unites his own inherent abilities to deny and project with mine, and imposes them back on himself and others. This establishes the total lack of threat anywhere. Together, we can then work for the real time of peace, which is eternal. Thank you, Jessica. And Charles. Thank you. Paragraph 23. False projection arises out of false denial, not out of its proper use. My own role in atonement is one of true projection. I can project to you the affirmation of truth. If you project error to me or to yourself, you are interfering with the process. My use of projection, which can also be yours, is not based on faulty denial. It does involve, however, the very powerful use of the denial of errors. The miracle worker is one who accepts my kind of denial and projection, unites his own inherent abilities to deny and project with mine, and imposes them back on himself 
and others. This establishes the total lack of threat anywhere. Together, we can, work, we can then work for the real time of peace, which is eternal. 24. The proper use of defenses is quite widely recognized, but the proper use had not been sufficiently understood yet. They can indeed create man's perception, both of himself and of the world. They can distort or correct, depending on what you use them for. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And would there be a new reader for 24 and 25? Uh, new reader this for 24 and 25. Yeah, for Thank you. Thank you. The improper use of defenses is quite widely recognized, but their proper use had not been sufficiently understood as yet. They can indeed create man's perception both of himself and of the world. They can distort or correct, depending on what you use them for. Denial should be directed only to error, and projection should be reserved only for truth. You should truly give as you have truly received. The golden rule can work effectively only on this basis. Thank you, Mindy. And another new reader for 25 and 26. This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. Denial should be directed only to error and not projection. And projection, sorry. Denial should be directed only to error and projection should be reversed only for truth. You should truly give as you have truly received. The golden rule can work effectively only on this basis. 26. Intellectualization is a term which stems from the mind-brain confusion. Right-mindedness is the device which defends the right mind and gives it control over the body. Intellectualization implies a split, while right-mindedness right -mindedness involves healing. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another narrator for 26 and 27? Okay, hey, back to you, Lemoyne. 26 and 27. Oh, go ahead, Judy. I'm sorry. 26 and 27, huh? Yes, thank you. You're late. 26. Intellectualization is a term from which stems from the mind-brain confusion. Right-mindedness quote-unquote right-mindedness is a device which defends 
the right mind and gives it control over the body. Quote, intellectualization, unquote, implies a split. While, quote, right-mindedness, unquote, involves healing. 27. Withdrawal is properly employed in the service of withdrawing from the meaningless. It is not a device for escape, but for consolidation. There is only one mind. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Uh, another new reader for 27 and 28. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Withdrawal is properly employed in the service of withdrawing from the meaningless. It is not a device for escape, but for consolidation. There is only one mind. Dissociation is quite similar. You should split off or dissociate yourself from error, but only in defense of integration. Thank you, Lloyd. Uh, another new reader then for 28, 29. Oh, okay, Robin Marie. Twenty-eight. Dissociation is quite similar. You should split off or dissociate yourself from error, but only in defense of integration. 29. Detachment is essentially a weaker form of dissociation. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 29. Detachment is essentially a weaker form of dissociation. 30. Flight can be undertaken in whatever direction you choose, but note that the concept itself implies flight from something. Flight from error is perfectly appropriate. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 30. Flight can be undertaken in whatever direction you choose, but note that the concept itself implies flight from something. Flight from error is perfectly appropriate. 31. Destination can be properly used as a way of putting distance between yourself and what you should fly from. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Okay. Um, 
31. Distantiation can be properly used as a way of putting distance between yourself and what you should fly from. Regression is an effort to return to your own original state. It can thus be utilized to restore rather than to go back to the less mature. Thank you, Jessica and Charles. Thank you. Regression is an effort to return you to your original state. It can be thus utilized to restore rather than to go back to the less mature. 33. Sublimation should be a redirection of effort to the sublime. Thank you, Charles. Uh, Sandra? Sorry, what number are we on? Uh, 33 and 34. Sure. Sublimation should be a redirection of effort to the sublime. 34. There are many other so-called dynamic concepts which are profound errors due essentially to the misuse of defenses. Among them is the concept of different levels of aspiration, which actually result from level confusion. However, the main point to be understood from this section is that you can defend truth as well as error, and in fact, much better. Thank you, Sandra. And Judy, uh, 34 and 35, please. Thirty-four and thirty-five. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. There are many other so-called quote dynamic unquote concepts, which are profound errors due essentially to the misuse of de- defenses. Among them is the concept of different levels of aspiration, which actually result from level confusion. However, the main point to be understood from this section is that you can defend truth as well as error and, in fact, much better. The means are easier to clarify after the value of the goal itself is firmly established. Everyone defends his own treasure You do not have to tell him to do so because he will do it automatically. The real question, real questions still remain. What do you treasure and how much do you treasure it? Once you have learned to consider these two questions and to bring them into all your actions as the true criteria for behavior, I will have little difficulty in clarifying the means. You have not learned 
to become or to be consistent about this as yet. I have therefore concentrated on showing you that the means are available whenever you ask. You can, however, save a lot of time if you do not extend this step unduly. The correct focus will shorten it immeasurably. Thank you. <clears throat> Lori, Thank you, Judy. Mindy. Could I read 35, please? It's Mindy. If you'd complete today with Mindy, or complete oh, today with 35. <laughs> Thank you. The means are easier to clarify after the value of the goal itself is firmly established. Everyone defends his own treasure. You do not have to tell him to do so because he will do it automatically. The real questions still remain. What do you treasure and how much do you treasure it? Once you have learned to consider these two questions and to bring them into all your actions as the true criteria for behavior, I will have little difficulty in clarifying the means. You have not learned to be consistent about this as yet. I have therefore concentrated on showing you that the means are available whenever you ask. I just want to repeat something. I've learned to consider these two questions and to bring them into all my actions as the true criteria for my behavior. Then Christ says, I will have little difficulty in clarifying the means. You have not learned to be consistent about this as yet. I have therefore concentrated on showing you that the means are available whenever you ask. You can, however, save a lot of time if you did not extend this step unduly. The correct focus will shorten it immeasurably. Thank you, Mindy. Okay. Um, we are close enough to the top of the hour. Uh, and this lesson uh, is so excellent for helping to clarify all of this material. Uh, I thought right here would be a perfect pause for a moment to reflect on our lesson today. Lesson 16, I have no neutral thoughts. And I neglected to ask that we um, give some thought to who might volunteer. Uh, as Fran is still recovering. So if there's a volunteer that would like to lead this morning's reflection, that would be just great. I can do it. Thank you, Karen. Karen. Thank you very much. Lesson 16. I have no neutral thoughts. The idea for today is a beginning step in dispelling the belief that your thoughts have no effect. Everything you see is the result of your thought. There is no exception to this fact. Thoughts are not big or little, powerful or weak. They are merely true or false. Those which are true create their own likeness. Those which are false make theirs. There is no more self-contradictory concept than that of idle thoughts. What gives rise to the perception of a whole world 
can hardly be called idle. Every thought you have contributes to truth or to illusion. It either extends the truth or multiplies the illusion. In addition to never being idle, salvation requires that you recognize that every thought you have brings either peace or war, either love or fear. A neutral result is impossible because a neutral thought is impossible. There is such a temptation to dismiss fear thoughts as unimportant or trivial. It is essential you recognize them all as equally destructive and equally unreal. We will practice this idea in many forms. Search your mind for a minute or so and seek not to overlook any little thoughts. Every thought that occurs to you, regardless of the quality which you assign to to it, is a a suitable subject. Tell yourself, first repeat the idea and then tell yourself, this thought about blank is not a neutral thought. That thought about blank is not a neutral thought. Whenever during the day you are aware of a particular thought which which arouses uneasiness, it is suggested you say, this thought about blank is not a neutral thought because I have no neutral thoughts. From the review. I have no neutral thoughts. Neutral thoughts are impossible because all thoughts have power. They will either make a false world or lead me to the real one. But thoughts cannot be without effects. As the world I see arises from my thinking errors, so will the real world rise before my eyes as I let my errors be corrected. My thoughts can, cannot be neither true nor false. They must be one or the other. What I see shows me which they are. I have no neutral thoughts. I have no neutral thoughts. The floor is open. Amen, and thank you, Karen. That was just wonderfully done. Yes. 
Yes, thank you, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Good morning, this is Sandra. And this lesson really represents the deep dive, (laughs) the deep dive into the difference between resonating with the truth that I hear and feel and sense in this book and integrating it. There's, those are two different things. I can resonate with it because it sounds like, wow, of course that makes sense. And there's actually a feeling around my heart like, yes, yes, I know this has got to be true. But that's only the first step for me. The integration may take even a lifetime, but it's, but it's a process. And it doesn't have to be a process. Sometimes you can resonate, resonate and integrate in a, in a split second. It can happen that way. It doesn't happen that way for me <laughs> because I'm an intellectual. And in, in uh, uh, paragraph 26, intellectualization is a term which stems from the mind-brain confusion Right-mindedness is the device which defends the right mind and gives it control over the body. So once my right mind and my intellect are aligned, I can actually heal the body in, in, a, in a second because I'm completely integrated. I, I, there isn't one ounce of doubt in my mind that I am one with my creator <laughs> and that I am uh, infinite and immortal, limitless, that I, that, you know, I, I take my rightful place as a, uh, a child of God, and I have the attributes of God. And in fact, I am now the Holy Spirit, because I don't even have to bring anything to the Holy Spirit anymore, because I am the Holy Spirit, because I'm fully integrated in this truth. There's no question. There's no doubt. I've cleaned up the old, you know, I think Jesus said you can't put new wine in old wineskins. So you can't put a new thought system into an old thought system. I have to clean up the old thought system or heal it. And that's what this says. Intellectualization implies a split, but it may imply that I resonate with the words, but I haven't cleaned up the mess that's inside yet, the programming, while right-mindedness involves healing. And that's the work of healing, is to clean up that programming that is still lingering, even though I resonate with, this, with the truth in this book and the truth of who I am. I resonate with that. However, I've been programmed for not only this lifetime, but forever, for however many lifetimes I've been around, and I've been told that I've been around for many, because I don't die, I am immortal, I am eternal, I am limitless. Um, So this is going to take me a little while. (laughs) You know, I'm getting there slowly, slowly. I've watched my progress for the past 30, 40 years in walking a spiritual path. But I can see for myself it was not an overnight process, 
And I can see for humanity, it's not going to be an overnight process. So if I judge anybody for where they're at in their process, I'm, I'm not only judging myself, but I'm locking myself and them in and not able to move forward. So I can't judge myself and I can't judge anybody else for where they are in their process. I'm here to embrace and embody and to encompass myself and everybody here because we're all awakening together. And it says in this book, we're either going to do it all together or nobody's going to do it at all, which means I got to put my open hands out for anybody who's coming along here on this trip with us, um, no matter where they're at in their, in their process. And I see that happening in this meeting, particularly where everybody is so welcome. I'm complete. Oh, that was just splendid, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. A lot of clarity mm. around intellectualization versus right-mindedness. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. This is Charles here. In the opening, when he talks about humanness, and the peace of God that passes human understanding. Takes me back to the garden, the tree of knowledge, right, wrong, good, bad. And the human experience that arose from the tree of knowledge. And in this world of knowledge, we seek to understand. We become as our dear friend said, intellectualized in our understanding and creates us to join groups of like-minded, quote, and unquote, individuals who seek to share like-minded ideas. And that can be quite the trap I find for myself because I experienced uh, the the good, the right, the wrong, the injustice, the justice. And I really appreciate Jesus who knows the source of our being, who writes words in ways that teaches us to address the source of being itself, that which is before the human experience, that which is before all this occurred to the origin of self, that which lit us into being, the light of awareness itself, the mind of God which expresses the light of God's love without intellectualizing it, but be the experience of that. And now Jesus' words to integrate into ours. Jesus' right mind to integrate with ours. That we make ourselves ready and willing and give to Jesus the ability to share what's needed to be shared. 
I love this. I love this language. I love the words of a dear brother who shares with us so much of his own wisdom in ways to help us. He sees us as we actually are. He sees us as God created us. And he knows us as equal to him. And he asks us to be willing to believe that this is possible. That we don't have to die or leave this body in order to do so. That we can go to the heart the heart of being itself and realize the presence, the beauty of being itself. Now, thanks for the words for this morning. They've really reached me deeply and for everyone sharing, I give thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. All is truth. That was just beautiful. Thank you, Charles. Hi, good morning, guys. It's Jude. Thank you, Lori and Lemoyne, for bringing us together and everyone for coming together this morning. I um, I love the very first paragraph of the reading. Um, when you are afraid of anything, you are acknowledging its power to hurt you. Remember where your heart is, and there is your treasure also. So, you know, in coming to, um, coming to, <laughs> came to, came to believe, and came to know who I am, who and what I am as God created me, and defending that, that truth of who and what and where I am, as um, through what Christ describes as the uh, proper use of, of, of defense, um, defending the truth. I just love this. That, um, you know, the, the way that it refers to humans in this and um, what so- the point Sandra brought up about intellectualization and the confusion of the, the, the mind-brain confusion um, you know, that we confuse ourselves with the body is obvious and ob- seems like an obvious statement, but, you know, it's something that, that's perpetu- perpetually coming up every day. I'm still in this body. and um, But defending the truth is my treasure and um, in every decision with every thought. I just... Um, got lost in, in what I was thinking for a second. Okay, back to it. The, um, the um, last sublimation I loved, the last, um, what are these called, um, defenses or um, denials, um, in, reversing, in reversing mistakes for tr- to the truth. So, that sublimation should be a redirection of effort to the sublime. Of effort to the sublime is really, really just 
just caught my attention that what I am and how I, and who and what I am as God created me takes no effort whatsoever. That to rest in peace is the key to my understanding, my understanding um, or right-mindedness. As far as I understand my right mind to be, the Christ mind that doesn't um, judge, it just looks on innocence, innocence looking on innocence as itself, sees everything, love sees everything as itself. So, you know, in looking at all these withdrawal, disassociation, detachment, flight, distanciation, regression, and sublimation, how those all in use to suit the ego's purposes are all about, you know, the the instinctual um, fear. I mean, it's all instinctual fear. It's positioning itself, be it in place or in time or, or in mind, the mind-brain, a position to defend itself. And the attack and defense is inherent in that fear and that call to war. So it's it's really in sorting out the true from the false, which I love about the obvious simpleness of the lesson today. All I got to do is say, I'm aware of these thoughts. Are they bringing me peace or are they bringing me war? Are they bringing me fear? Are they bringing me love? This is, you know, the obvious opposition of the ego to love and the obvious defense mechanisms, which, you know, the, there's, when we read the Course, everything seems so counterintuitive. I, I can speak for me. I mean, it was, like Sandra said, every, every you know, sunshine way I was taught to pretend, pretend that everything was all right when it wasn't and to put on a smiley face and and um, act like nothing was wrong when things were, you know, the, the counterintuitiveness of, of allowing and letting without judgment everything to be as it is and to be okay with being okay with things not being okay and lovingly accepting them and welcoming them and the gentleness and the tenderness of the open-mindedness that can can encompass and, and envelop in holiness everything that it knows is its own and say, you know, there's nothing go wrong going here. We just have mistaken thoughts and mistaken perceptions. And it's from these errors we shall forgive ourselves, learn to overlook and recognize they're meaningless and they don't serve us. And this is why we willingly relinquish them. We don't have to attack them. We don't have to defend them. We just have to recognize they're misery makers, and God would not have us suffer so. So here I go, here I go. I'm all in again today and simply going to practice the lesson the way it's suggested, without evaluation of my thoughts, without judgment of my thoughts, just to be aware of them and to see the effect my thoughts have upon me and how I can know I am the one that disturbs my own peace today. Amen. Thank you for giving me a place to share and strengthen these beautiful ideas. I am complete.
Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That was a very fulsome share. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Good morning. It's Karen. I just, uh, I just wanted to share that I have no neutral thoughts. Sometimes the things I think I'm thinking are generated from a place I'm not thinking about and I'm not aware of. You know, what's generating my judgment about something or someone? Superficially, I can see that, oh, this is a judgment thought. I don't want this. And it's not neutral because it isn't positive. It isn't like a prayer for the other person. It isn't a blessing. But I don't automatically um, go deep and become aware of what that thought really is, is where it's coming from. You know, so if I have a thought that I have some uh, hard-heartedness or some uh, resistance to something or someone, I'm not, uh, my usual way of being is not to understand. I mean, I can superficially, it's like Lori said something last week. She said covering something up with a concept. Um, I know that's bad paraphrase for for what you said, but you said it's very, very end of a share that you gave us, and you said that um, we we tend to, to accept the concept, but it's just covering up something deeper. And that's what I really, like, in other words, let me put it plainly, I have no neutral thoughts. When I have a negative thought about another person, if I go deep, it's really about my own feelings of self-hatred <laughs> or unforgiveness. And that's a brand new revelation to me. I'm so happy and excited about it because now it's more like I'm going to watch my mind for everything on the superficial level that's negative. And instead of dismissing it only on the superficial level of, you know, the external world, I'm going to wait and see if it reveals something deeper to me. I know it's um, kind of, you have to be cautious not to introspect too much. It's not like you want your whole life to be about, well, this means that. But I have no neutral thoughts, so I'm uniting with the Christ to shine away the darkness, but the deeper darkness the deeper um, defenses. And and the only other thing I wanted to add is I just love so much how all of these defenses are put into right-mindedness and correct thinking. You know, that denial is about denying the falsehood. And dissociating is about dissociating from the ridiculous external world and all of them, you know, individually. I'm sure other people want to share about that too, but I won't say too much. I'm just uh, very, very grateful for the course and this group. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you very thank much. Excellent clarity on Thank you, Karen. <clears throat> I had a superficial thought this morning. <laughs> it's Robin Marie. I used to be uh, 
uh, averse to tattoos. And then so many people that I knew have them, younger people. It seems to be something that people in their 30s do. And so now, you know, they're fine. And some I even like. And then I still have an aversion to four-inch-long fingernails. Where where is that? And yet, that is something, you know, I should, okay, well, that person for some reason <laughs> is having these fingernails. And I've noticed, I've, I have wa- been watching David Letterman's uh, program about interviewing certain people, and it, it was really uh, obvious that the women that he was interviewing, the younger women, had these amazing fingernails. (laughs) So I'm trying to like, okay, that's a superficial thing. That's a body thing. Yes, her boobs are like huge. That's just a body thing. Yes, she uses the four-letter words all the time. Yes, that's a superficial thing. But she did help bury all these people who were in a fire to help their families. And so I'm trying to like, um, you know, get over my uh, codes, <laughs> whatever they may be. Uh, I'm complete. That was my sur- superficial share. <laughs> oh, that was a share, Robert Marie. Thank you, you know, Robert Marie. Eagle's awesome. is full of opinions. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Thank Ida. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted uh but to me, it wasn't superficial because it was about healing. And in a lot of ways, my whole life has been about healing. When I used to have business cards and I didn't really end up doing any business, but to give away to people, I used to put my name and information. And then I used to write personal and planetary healing. And now I realize through the agency of the course that they're very much the same. And uh, But anyway, um, right after we did the lesson, you know, I had one of those times when I just suddenly feel bad. So I, I hung up on this call briefly and called um, the local warm line here and talked to a guy who I actually met in person a couple of times. That wasn't true for the other ones, but um, a long time ago when we both worked at the same place. But um, in talking with him, I could feel the healing coming to me. And I felt like it was from the Holy Spirit between us. And, you know, when Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered here today, I'm in the midst of them. And and we talk about the Holy Spirit doing the healing and miracles and, and, and holy incense. And uh, I feel like that's happening for me. And if that's happening for me, that's probably happening for you. And I sincerely hope it is for your own sake, for your own healing and and because your own healing affects me and affects the world, as I said. So I just wanted to, uh, to share that. It's it's great. You know, even though I didn't consciously ask for a miracle, it seemed like one occurred. But those kind of miracles happen to me quite often. Uh, uh, when I'm talking with somebody that cares, it's like there's the Holy Spirit doing the healing right there. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you. I like that. Thank you, Ida. Thanks. Thank you. 
take that judgment to truth. That was great, Ida. Thank you. This is Donna. And paragraph 34 um, are the last sentence. You can defend truth. And when I read that, it popped out at me. How can I defend truth? So that's the question that came to me. And um, so first I got I can defend truth by accepting truth is and be attentive to seeing it is what God is. But then as I contemplated a little more, uh, I, I, I thought I can defend truth by accepting truth. And then the question, what is truth? And Truth is God, and I am that. So then it came, well, I have a choice to accept this. Uh, Truth is God, and I am that, and to know it is so. Or continue to believe in a thought process that maintains a dream of separation by uh, judging God's creation as lacking. So I can defend truth by accepting truth is and be attentive to seeing it is what God is and that we are one in that. And then I thought, well, how do I do that? And, And the only way I can do that is let the Holy Spirit do it through me. And, and, uh, and then keep on walking. I am complete. Oh, that was just great, Donna. Thank you very much. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Thank you, Donna. This is Sandra. And I I love the question. (laughs) You know, how do I defend the truth? That's a great inquiry. Um, And also I wanted to mention that um, in... In quantum physics, they call this world a mental construct. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of those terms, but mental is is thought, it's thinking. So we've actually created a whole world through our thinking, and um, and we've been misinformed with our thinking. We've been programmed wrongly. So, so how I defend the truth is to be willing to go in there with my sword of truth and uh, what sword I'm thinking of to, like, if, you know, to um, uh, that sword dig out the false ideas, the, the programmed ideas of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, um, there's something wrong here. I'm defective. It, whatever those thoughts are, um, that's how it's by digging out those thoughts, taking the sword of truth, and excavating those thoughts that I defend the truth. 
it's my willingness to go in deep and look at, at those thoughts that are subconscious and bring them up to the light so that they're no longer in the subterranean, no longer in the dark. They're now in the light. And, and that's how I defend the truth is by willing, my willingness to go in deep. And when I go in deep, there's always so much forgiveness work that's required. Forgiving perpetrators and forgiving myself for believing the thoughts that I actually made up. I made those thoughts up. They were conclusions I came to with my life experience because I didn't have, because when I came here, I had to forget everything that I already knew. But um, I appreciate that there are no neutral thoughts with that this is a mental construct that we, that we live in. So, so I better be careful about what it is I'm contemplating or thinking about. I'm complete. That was excellent, Sandra. Thank you. That is the point of all this, isn't it? Excellent. Thank you, Sandra. I um, hit a thought occurred to me this morning when doing the lesson. You know, ideas do not leave their source. And, you know, as a defense, uh, being a mirror of truth of, of God's thinking and how I, you know, I'm, I'm an instrument of peace and of love and of joy, wholeheartedness and a desire only to heal and not to attack, um, judge or condemn, that um, this is a, a free will, free-flowing, easy, and sublime. Sometimes it can be very enthusiastic and sometimes it can be very still and quiet. And um, the, the, um, that, you know, the Christ mind is shining in my mind all the time and that I would, I would um, just allow it and let it to shine up in the moment to anything that occurs in the moment that disturbs, my, disturbs me or frightens me, that this is a, a, an immediacy and the, um, of salvation in the holy instant, and every instant is when this correction, this forgiveness, this atonement is available to me and works for me. You know, that, um, you know, this idea of process and analysis and taking time, it doesn't take any time to be restored to the truth of who and what I am right here and right now. I just have to let myself be and um, let, you know, let, it, let everything I, I think I know about the past go. The Course makes that clear to me, that my I don't know mind is where this healing and the truth is allowed to return to my awareness. I need to do nothing comes to mind again this morning. But being aware of who and what I am and how I'm being in the moment, you know, if I'm in fear or if I'm in love, if I'm agitated, I need to pause. If I'm disturbed, I need to pause. I need to be still in, in, in order to, to be aware of how my thinking has run amok 
<laughs> and it's manifesting. Oh no, I become I become environmental pollution. <laughs> oh, don't forget to laugh. I'm so glad you're all here. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Jude. Thank you, Judy. That's so important. Did I say that? Ideas leave not their source. On <laughs> whose behalf does this this does this thought arise? Is this a fearful, false thought, or is this a true, loving thought? God, it gets old, doesn't it? Thank you. Yeah, they're not neutral. Thank you, Judy. Isn't it written somewhere that I'm a thought in God's mind? (laughs) (laughs) As is everything. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Sandra. Yeah, that we're, it's purely mind. Everything is purely mind in the service Mm -hmm. of this. But when it gets really Oh, thank you. That only loving thoughts are true. So there is nothing else. (laughs) That's all the end. Right, right. And when uh, I see something that doesn't look loving, then I need to readjust my perception to give love that is being asked for, and then I'll feel better about it. You know, um, and I was going to say something else, and I forgot what it was. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Ida. Yeah, and sometimes I give love by removing myself from the situation. That's the best way for me to give love. (laughs) I'm complete. Hmm. Thanks, Sandra. You know, when two neighbors were fighting with words last week, but sort of threatening words and stuff like that, I felt I had to do something, so I went outside. I saw this happening, but I already heard from this inside the apartment. And I started yelling at them, stop fighting, stop fighting. But <laughs> I don't know what I could have yelled at them that helped. I really don't think that helped. But I guess I felt like I had to do something, you know, um, contrary to when the Course says, I need do nothing. Um, but probably would have been it would have been better time spent by just sitting and meditating on love and sending that to them, you know. But sure, I was removed from a situation and that was a good thing. It wasn't for me to go right get in the middle of those two guys physically or anything like that, you know, that was my own fear told me that, you know, I learned to listen to my feelings and I purified my feelings by my spiritual path. So I can listen to my feelings most of the time and be guided rightly uh, by that, you know, too. Thanks. I'm complete. 
Thank you, Ida. Good description of distanciation from error. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, it was really a dawn on my mind when I realized how um, the ego uses um, defenses. It uses fear to defend fear. <laughs> yeah. All, all character defects, you know, of the ego, pride, arrogance, greed, um, lust, envy, jealousy, they're all defenses for uh, uh, defending the ego. And, you know, when you really look at all the dark side, to all the shadows of who and what we think we are and the, me- the methods of defense that the ego has for that in defending our fear and our self-loathing and our hate- self-hatred, you know, to look at who I am because I don't want to see all this dark stuff, this dark stuff. (laughs) And it's so counterintuitive to the way the Course says to to look at ourselves as holy, pure, and, and innocent creations of God and that we're just, you know, flip the coin and think the exact opposite. You're not what we're, we are now what we made of ourselves. And um, we've got a lot of mistaken false beliefs and ideas and thoughts in our heads. And it's no wonder we're not happy. It's no wonder we're running around seeking, endlessly seeking distractions and, you know, worldly satisfactions and pleasures and or pain. I mean, some of us do it through self-flagellation, but, um, you know, the pain and pleasure principle is, is all about seeking outside of ourselves and that the, the truth is that we've got everything already within us. God created us perfect. I'm thrilled with this stuff. I really am thrilled with it. Thank you, Christ, God, and all my brothers and sisters. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Judy. No, thank you, everyone, for all your shares this morning. Um, it's so wonderful uh, the way we use this material and apply it to ourselves. I really enjoy it. Um, oh, dear. I'm going to have to pause, and uh, I'll be right back if someone wants to share in this place.
I'm sorry for that interruption. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I think I like this lesson today. <laughs> um, the last five lessons, uh, 11 through 15, basically covered um, what I see is a consequence of my thoughts, thoughts and perceptions. All five of them uh, emphasized that I'm upset because I see what isn't there. I'm seeing it as a representation of my thoughts, especially my thoughts about the past and my preoccupation with the past. Not seeing anything now, and my thoughts do not mean anything because they obscure reality. And then today, crack off the bat, my meaningless thoughts. Well, I was 11. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world in gender sphere. God did not create a meaningless world. And my thoughts are images. My thoughts are images which I have made. And today I have no neutral thoughts. We were doing um, these review lessons today. I was and Karen led us to review lesson 54. I have no neutral thoughts. One year I was uh, doing these lessons with this group and and the mailman kept running over my flower bed. <laughs> and to my way of thinking, that was a real offense. And of course I wanted to uh, deal with it, not by correcting my mind, <laughs> but by correcting my, mail, my, my mailman. I was really disturbed about this because here I am wanting the truth and yet truth appears to be like this and I have no neutral thoughts. I got myself to the point where I was thinking this mailman is doing that deliberately. And boy was I ever, ever stuck in a bad situation. It seemed. But I finally realized that it wasn't the mailman. It wasn't the garden. It was my thoughts that were presenting me with such a problem. And that's the point of this reinterpretation of defenses. He wants us to realize there's only two thought systems. One is of the ego, where I listen to the ego voice. I think thoughts of separation as a consequence of that because I'm identifying with this tiny little fragment of my mind and all of its thoughts. Or there's the thought system of truth. And so he starts out with paragraph 18, when you're afraid of anything you're valuing wrongly, you're endowing all your thoughts with equal power. And so in my situation with the mailman and my garden, I realized um, all the power was on the wrong side of the equation in my wrong mind. But I have access, he says, we always have access to the thought system of the truth. He goes on to say in that 18th paragraph, peace is an unshakable quality within you. It's always within you. And because of that peace, I can deny the power of anything to hurt me. I have access to loving thoughts. And that's the point of 
these paragraphs on defenses. I have access to loving thoughts, or I have access to thoughts in my split mind, the split mind of fear and a world outside myself. In this work, he wants to realize that dream figures come and go. Situations happen and they unhappen. But we always have access to the right mind. We always have access to the thoughts of God, which do not have equal power to those of the ego. The thoughts of God are endowed with all his power. And in case we miss the point, he goes on in paragraph 20, God and his souls are completely dependent on each other. God is as concerned that I have access to truth as I'm concerned that I have access to God. <laughs> and if, if my mind is not serving the soul, it literally starves the soul. What does that mean? To me, it means if I can access the thoughts I think with God, my real thoughts, my thoughts in the system, thought system of truth, I've fed my soul in the thought system of truth. My loving thoughts will direct me to a response that's appropriate to the situation with the mailman in the mailbox. And I was so glad that year that we were doing the review lesson 54 because it emphasizes that not only do I have no neutral thoughts, I see no neutral things in the ego system. I'm categorizing everything according to what I believe. And if I have access to my true thoughts, I'm moving into the thought system of love. God and his souls are completely dependent on each other. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we would always have access to our true thoughts, our real thoughts, the thoughts we think with God. So in the situation of the mailbox, I'm so grateful that that happened that year because I was finally prepared um, to realize I was making up a world of separation and seeing the mailman and the situation as separate from me. As it turned out, uh, there was a perfect resolution awaiting, and neither the mailman nor myself lost anything. In fact, we both gained. We both gained from the resolution that I found in my right mind through the Holy Spirit. If I'm always using ego thoughts to guide me, I am starving my soul because the soul lives on love. The thought system of truth is the thought system of love. And so he goes on to say, if I'm using judgment in paragraph 21, if I'm using judgment, I'm using my separate will. I'm thinking I'm a separate being with a separate will from God. And fear will be the result of that because I'm miscreating. I'm miscreating a situation where mailman and I are separate. And so, how do I escape? How do I escape? Use his, his mechanism of denial, which is to deny the error and defend the truth. 
deny the error and defend the truth. The error will always be in my mind. It's always in my mind. It's not outside me. If I'm seeing separation, it's because I'm accessing thoughts of the ego. My mind is split. Thank you for emphasizing that, Sandra. That was perfect. Um, if I'm accessing the thoughts I think with God, I will have taken that pause. I'm upset because I see a meaningless world. What are my real thoughts? What are the thoughts I think with God? And a resolution will become apparent to me so I can defend the truth. And when I defend the truth, I move toward the thought system of love. If I'm defending the error, the separation, then I will uh, feel as if I'm along with my thoughts and my problem. Um, so I just love that last paragraph. Before we finish today, paragraph 34, there are so many, so many profound errors which are essentially a misuse of defenses. My separate will sees it this way, and I'll fight to the death to prove that I'm right. <laughs> um, but if I access thoughts I think with God, I will be able to defend the truth. And the consequence to me will be to recognize that the thoughts I think with God are endowed with all power because they're endowed with love and not separation. Um, I'm complete. Thank you again, Laura, so much. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful. That was a good year. <laughs> um, because it wasn't long after the mailbox and garden incident that um, I had some repairs to make in the house. And, and it was revealed to me that my erroneous thought that people who repair things are out to repair them wrong and cost me money. <laughs> that was my mistaken thought. And, um, and it was revealed to me that I saw it that way as a consequence of an error in my mind. And I could give up that error and have truth be revealed to me. Um, because thoughts are not endowed with equal power and I'm dependent absolutely dependent on love to tell me um, what can be seen and understood and appreciated. So. Anyway, any further thoughts? This is Mindy. I don't know if any of you recall M.C. Escher, um, who did very unusual things that looked like buildings, but the perspective changed from one 
square footage area to another. And depending on how you looked at it, you perceived the building as where it's coming up, or looking at it from the ceiling down, near the room. It was really very interesting. And I also recall that there's a picture. And depending on which side you look at it and how you focus it, you either see a young woman with a bonnet or an old woman with a long chin and a long nose. And depending on how I focused and what I was looking for, I saw, I either saw the beautiful young woman or the old hag. And it was the same picture. <laughs> so I wanted to share that because that shows definitely what I look for, I will see. You're absolutely right, Mindy. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Mindy. Thanks, Mindy. Do I want to see truth or do I want to see illusion? And my ego has me convinced that illusion is actually safer and truth is ugly, but we all know that illusion, there is no safety in it. And in truth, there is beauty. And, um, you know, even a good cry happens when we, we know the truth. And, and uh, good hurt occurs when we know the truth. A bad hurt is one when I am in denial of it. And there is no escaping that pain. There's just covering an illusion, a painful illusion with another one. So what would I like to see? The truth, the beautiful truth? And trust that it's there and take a risk that it's there? Or just continue with the comfortable but not so comfortable looking at what isn't real? So Jesus said we have a choice. And boy, I'm going to allow him to help me project the truth. I'm going to let him project the truth to me and affirm it in me because Oh my gosh, it's so much more fun when I'm out in the world shopping for things when I know what it's really about is connection. Sure, the body wants this or that, but the body is an individualized self-expression of what it wants. But isn't it lovely that I can choose to follow the directions for taking care of this body and actually become enlightened and share love with my brothers and sisters along the way simply by changing my thoughts about going out and spending money, like Lori said. We're all here together. I'm complete. Thank you, Mindy. Yeah, you really touched in on paragraph 24 and 25. What do I really want it for? What do I, what do I want? When I'm clear on that, um, I'll be directed, that's for sure. Well, I thought to close this call this morning or close this recording from the escape from fear as he gives it to us in chapter 4. The habit of engaging with God and his creations is easily made if you actively refuse to let your mind slip away problem is not one of concentration it's the belief that no one including yourself is worth consistent effort side with me side with me consistently against this deception 
and do not permit this shabby belief to pull you back. The disheartened are useless to themselves and to me, but only the ego can be disheartened. Have you really considered how many opportunities you have to gladden yourselves and how many of them you have refused? There is no limit to the power of a son of God, but he himself can limit his expression of power as much as he chooses. Your mind and mine can unite in shining your ego away and releasing the strength of God into everything you think and will and do. How's that for right-mindedness, huh? Do not settle for anything less than this and refuse to accept anything but this as your goal, what you want. Watch your minds carefully for any beliefs that hinder its accomplishment and just step away from them. Judge how well you've done this by your feelings, for this is the one right use of judgment. Judgment, like any other defense, can be used to attack or protect, to hurt or to heal. The ego should be brought to your judgment and found wanting there. Because without your own allegiance, protection, and love, it cannot exist. Judge your ego truly, and you must withdraw allegiance, protection, and love from it. Amen. Thank you all um, for a very lively discussion this morning. I've really enjoyed it. Thank um, you, Lori. So appreciate. Thank you.